Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, people? You know that sound, the unfiltered band means, yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way here and now. This one officially go down as episode number 213. You can hop on board the Unfiltered Revolution 24-7, 365. Get over to Twitter or X, if you will, at Casey Stern. Jump in the bio, get on the YouTube channel, and head over for all of the 212 now into 213 episodes, interviews, chats, conversations, lists, and more. And thank you, of course, to the Unfiltered Band. Thank you for being with me as we talk about the two greatest words in sports, game seven. In a series that was destined to go seven, teams that are evenly matched, battled all year in the American League West, Two Hall of Fame managers, the pedigree and the seven consecutive LCSs and the World Series appearances and wins and all the accolades and all the Hall of Famers and everything else with the Houston Astros. And the great story of the resurgence of the franchise of the Texas Rangers led by Bruce Bochy. And now we're getting an American League Championship Series headed to a Game 7. We'll break down how, what it means and some of the storylines heading into it, as always, we are happy to be here in large part. Thanks to our good friends at Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs. This season, latest odds, lines, and matchup reports, baseball, basketball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online remains the fastest and easiest way to get all your wagers. Live betting and your favorite casino and card games available right now, right from your phone. Head over to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up today. Get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE. It's B-L-E-A-V to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It is bet online where the game starts as we get started here. And please forgive the voice. This is the kind of a game tonight where it reminds you that momentum changes so quickly in a baseball series in a postseason. It is oftentimes only as good as your next starter, as we saw in the NLCS with how great Zach Wheeler was and how quickly it seemed to thwart everything that had gone on with Alec Thomas and the pool and the D-backs just the night prior. Nate Evaldi has been so damn good in the postseason. Now, four wins this postseason, first in the franchise's history to do that for Texas. You go back to the 18-inning game where he pitched six, seven innings in the bullpen years ago for the Red Sox in the World Series and all the things he's done since and how great he has been. And he didn't even have his best stuff. He had to battle tonight, only struck out four. I think he walked three hitters. And he is so poised and so good, able to strand runners, able to bear down and get outs. This guy is so damn good in big spots and has become such a big-game pitcher. And for people years ago, I remember sitting at winter meetings when he got paid and people talking about years ago, oh, well, you know, this is a guy you're never going to be able to pay money because you're never going to see he's going to stay healthy and he's got a big arm, but it's never going to amount to anything. And you look at what he has turned his career into and you look at how he has changed the narrative in that rhetoric and good for you. Nasty native Aldi. I mean, brilliant in big spots and was great again tonight. Did everything he had to do. Garcia hits the grand slam to break it open and gets all the runs and gets his revenge, if you will. And we'll get to that in a second. But really, the story was 
what the bullpen was able to do in a couple of big spots for Texas when the game was way closer than that. Spores, who has been absolutely brilliant and the most consistent pitcher in that bullpen, Bruce Bochy leaving him in instead of going, and look, I'm in the end, I tweeted this, anybody but Roldis Chapman category. You cannot put a Roldis Chapman into that game, which, by the way, with how LeClerc pitched and how much he pitched, now you wonder you know, where, where and how or if you're using Chapman in a game seven because you don't want to use him there either. How much length you're going to get from Max, and we'll get into that in a couple of minutes. But the ability from Bruce Bochy to, again, rely on his gut and rely on what he thought was the right play at that time. And look, it's perception over reality, being fair. Managers and coaches, if they make these decisions in a vacuum and then they don't work, then all of a sudden they're idiots and it's asinine and how could you? And it's not thinking outside of the box and great and you know, sticking to your guns. It is certainly that way. But Bruce Bochy doing what he did and not going to the lefty in Chapman and bringing in LeClerc into the bullpen to warm up and leaving Spores out there for the extra hitter to go get Alvarez, brilliant. I mean, what an out that was. Then LeClerc coming in, the big out for him, obviously, that strikeout on that eight-pitch A-B from Singleton, who, how about him? I mean, second straight time. This time, not a walk, but almost earned one. And has a brilliant eight-pitch at-bat with the bases loaded. LeClerc gets him, strikes him out to get out of that inning. And that's really all she wrote. Right there with Spores and LeClerc is where they locked it down and were able to figure it out. LeClerc, obviously, when he came in, having issues with the command, but eventually settling down, getting the strikeout of Singleton with the bases loaded. You turn back around, obviously, and there you go. You've got the big grand slam from, from Adoles Garcia, and that's all she wrote. We're going to game seven. What this means for the bullpen for Bruce Bochy in game seven is one of the big keys to watch. And obviously, part of that begins with Max Scherzer and what we're going to get. I tweeted this before, but we have to go back because I think there are too many parallels. It is, you know, I'm not trying to create the rhetoric. It is too much of a similarity to something that I watched play out in 2019 in covering the World Series where the road teams seemingly just had the number of the home team each and every game the way we're seeing in this series. Now, I know a little bit more of a backdrop here because the Astros were a team that had so much struggle and so it's such a hard time at home during the course of the season. So that's a bigger story for them than just this postseason run or just this series for the Houston Astros and their fans. But when you go back to the 2019 World Series, and every game being won by the team on the road. And the first time going through a World Series that went seven games, and the only time we've ever seen that happen. And this clearly is an LCS, not a World Series. I get it. But that was the Houston Astros who had struggled and were not able to find a way to win a home game and lost four times despite having home field advantage. This was a Houston Astros team that lost that game in game seven with players like Bregman, Altuve, and Brantley, who are still on this team. And this was a team who lost that game in Game 7 to a road starter who had injury concerns and questions about what length he could give because not he just returned after a bunch of time out to come back and make his first start in a while in this series, as happened here in the ALCS with Max Scherzer. But in that case, 
he had been banged out of his start in game five and then through a side session, all of a sudden was back in the mix after a brilliant performance from Strasburg in game six to then go pitch game seven. And that starter is the same starter in this game seven, in the same city, in the same scenario, in the same much less than 100% version of Max Max Scherzer. You go back to that game in 2019, Gritty got through five innings, was able to kind of hang in there enough and give him enough length. And the Nationals, obviously, we know what happened, go on to win that game. Now, the question is, with this bullpen and the way it looks now and the struggles it's had and how you had to rely on Spores and LeClerc tonight and in the anyone but Chapman scenario, because to me, Chapman, Kimbrell, Kimbrell, Chapman, tomato, tomato, potato, potato, Finkel, Einhorn, Einhorn, and Finkel, they all the same. But if you're going to avoid a role this Chapman, then where are you going and how are you getting from a Max Scherzer if he can go the same five innings and keep you in it? Let's say best case scenario, you're tied or locked up in you know some two two three three game. If maybe that's not a good enough scenario with this bullpen, because where the hell are you going to go? And I don't know how you're avoiding getting Chapman in the game, and that's a big no no, especially in his house of horrors in Houston. That is a big no no. So I am fascinated to see. Look, I've said this before. I said it. You know, I've said it for years, but I said it in a recent podcast. Bruce Bochy, in addition to his his brilliance with understanding players and understanding how to deal with people, which makes him so great, his X's and O's in terms of the bullpen are bar none. Been that way a long time. Such a great field for the game. Decision maker in those spots. But he doesn't have many great decisions to make with this bullpen. And that is a big question for me in Game 7. Christian Javier will be on the other side. Obviously, he has proved that he can come out and be dominant in big spots. We have seen that. So in the last postseason, we've seen it already. In this postseason, we know the kind of stuff that he has. He's been a guy who at times has been better than Justin Verlander and better than Framber Valdez in big spots. Clearly, Dusty going to trust him. Clearly, you're at home, even though it's been a house of, I mean, forget it. It's been terrible for them all year. It's been terrible for them in the postseason. It, you'll take it. If you, to, if you told the Houston Astros, hey, look, we can fast forward. I don't know what he's a lot of topsy-turvy. We're going to give you a game here, our building, game seven, Javier on the hill, go out and go get him. And they're going to say, we'll take that. Let's go get him. But not going to be that easy. It's not going to be easy at all. Because the Rangers are dealing with a ton of confidence right now. And they're dealing with a ton of confidence in this building right now. There is, though, a question about whether or not, speaking of bullpens, the Astros might be missing somebody in theirs. And Brian Abreu will have his appeal tomorrow, the hearing, and then immediately they'll make a decision, and we'll find out whether or not it's going to be the two games, the one game, or no games. Will he miss a game seven, then a game one if they get there? Will he not miss any? Who knows how that's going to work? But I wanted to chime in on it here. A lot of times, and this has been happening for years and years and years in talk radio and in sports, we get into these conversations where these kind of things happen and we have to jump and we have to pick a side. We know what happened. Oh, I absolutely know that that ref made a bullshit call and here's why and here's what happened. And sometimes it's plain as day, it's in tape and you can see that. 
Sometimes it's more gray area and not as easy. In this case, when you look at the umpire and that lens and where they were, because there's two different things here to figure out. Number one, it's do you think he did it on purpose? Number two, I could say three things. The subset of number one, do you think he was throwing at him or do you think he was trying to hit him? Was he trying to back him up and send a message or was he trying to hit him? And then, regardless of that, if you think that he was, let's say, do you think the umpire should have ejected him? Do you think there should have been warnings? Do you think in that spot you don't eject? Should there have been a suspension? How is all that work? There's so much there, excuse me, in terms of layers of trying to figure out where all the decisions were made. Let's go back to the beginning and the first part of it. When Justin Verlander says, hey, look, that guy just hit a home run that's the biggest home run of his life. I get that. That's the side I've always been on. Because I remember covering the Jose Bautista garbage, and I don't mean garbage like he did anything wrong because he didn't do anything wrong. That was the biggest home run, forget about in his career, in that franchise for 20 freaking years. And he could do whatever the hell he wants, in my opinion, outside of going ahead and doing some garbage towards the pitcher, which he was not in that spot. If you go back to what Batista did, going in the way back machine, okay? Against the Rangers, right? In what was a great series. But in that spot, he didn't do anything wrong. And very similarly here, I have had the, the mentality that Verlander is basically putting out there, if he believes that, and he said it. And that is, hey, look, this guy this is the biggest home run of his life. The hell do you expect him to do? I'm with that. Now, when a guy's high stepping up to 35 points or down 35 points, or we're sitting there in the seventh inning and you're down eight nothing or nine nothing, and you're David Peralta dancing on second base, and I love David Peralta, but sorry, in the first round, or the other side, you're rubbing it in when you're up a ton of runs, all that garbage means nothing to me and it's it's a bunch of crap, right? But if you were sitting there and you had a home run like that, I'm sorry. You'll pretty much do whatever the hell you want. You don't like it, go strike him out. So I'm with you if Verlander is believing and feels that way. But Verlander was not on the mound. When I watched it at first glance, and I believe that everything after that, we get skewed. We get skewed by what we hear. We get skewed by comments. We get skewed by media. I'm in the media. I get it by each other, by all the things that we hear, and then everything is, is, even if you're not trying to be, you are then swayed, okay? When it first happened, I thought definitely he was trying to throw in to back him up. Do I know that he was trying to hit him? I do not. Do I think that he intentionally wanted to back him up off the plate and send a message? Yes. Yes. Do I think that he meant to hit him? I don't know. I think he hit three batters all season, and he's pretty much, to me, probably the best reliever that's not a closer of racking up saves in the whole sport and has been as dynamic a postseason reliever as anybody in the last couple of years. So I know the guy knows how to throw and I know his control. But do I think he was at very least trying to send a message and throw up and in? Yes. Yes. Do I think he should get suspended for that? No. No, I don't. Would I suspend him for that? No, I wouldn't. Do I think his appeal should go through and he shouldn't be suspended? No, I don't think they should impact what happens in the rest of the series for that. I don't. I don't. And fair or unfair, 
a lot of times these things happen based on where how injured guys get or if they get injured. Garcia looks just fine to me at a grand slam tonight, right? Fair or unfair, when the Cousins and Posey play happen at the plate, we change the whole sport. <clears throat> That's just how it is. I was at the game where Dale Hunter, uh, you know, cross-checked Pierre Turgeon into oblivion, and it probably cost my Islanders at least a shot at the cup final. No offense to Ray Ferraro. And I think Hunter at the time had the most games anybody ever gotten, 30 games maybe it was in the next season. But that's because Turgeon separated his shoulder and was out for the playoffs. If he had shook it off and scored the next goal, that wouldn't have happened. Same thing here. Sorry, that's just the reality of the way sports work. Garcia shook it off. He's fine. So should we. Nobody should be suspended. Sorry. Sorry. I'm not impacting the rest of the series that way or the postseason. It was not that egregious to do that, and that is overboard. That's overkill for me because you can't prove it, and because I don't know. Do I think he was throwing up and in? Yes. Do I know if he was trying to hit him? I don't. I don't. Clearly, that leads towards it happening, even if it's by accident. I get it, and I'm certainly not naive. But it doesn't make any sense in the point in the series and the game and the time and score of where they were. And when you hear the Verlander comments and you hear some of the stuff that the Astros, and again, it's skewing me a little bit, but some of the things that are said, they're so overboard. And look, I've heard all the, oh, it got away, the ball slipped, and we know that bullshit. But this is seemingly a little bit different than that. End of the day, I, I you know, sometimes you put the whistle away. I don't need any suspensions for me. And I'm not trying to upset anybody sitting there in Texas or anybody who thinks this is some horrible black eye in the game. I don't think it is any black eye in the sport. I don't think it is any kind of a, um, you know, uh, some kind of a, it is not a message that there's something wrong because we don't even know that the message was sent on purpose or certainly cannot prove it. And there are more cases where because of the, the outcome and where a game is in score and during a regular season, and you understand, okay, I know what they're doing here. In this case, when you look at the Astros and the bigger picture and what they're trying to do, trying to get to a World Series, it didn't really make much sense in that time in the game with that pitcher. Didn't make any sense to me, certainly. Now, up six runs, and you want to tell, I mean, a different scenario? Okay, fine. <clears throat> Excuse me, but but in that spot, didn't seem to make any sense. And that, to me, clouds the judgment of whether it's on purpose enough to, to not get the guy into a suspension situation. And look, I mean, was Utley ever even suspended for the thing with Tejada? And now we're rushing, get right into the appeal. We're going to go ahead and give this guy a two-game suspension and have him go miss game seven, perhaps? I, hell no. For me, no chance that, that that should be what happens. Sorry. But that clearly will change things on the other side, speaking of who's available in the bullpen, because Dusty clearly has a lot more places to go than where Boach is going to be able to go in Game 7 of this series. But how Max Scherzer pitches and that answer to that question is going to be a huge factor in this game. And there were a lot of questions about what version, and I know it's years older, 
But what version and how healthy and what were we going to get out of Max Scherzer? And I was there covering it on that field. I was there on the field when he threw the, the he's sitting there throwing and people are like, he's throwing? He couldn't pitch game five. All of a sudden, wait a minute, he really can come back? And he's starting to get word that he could pitch and then he threw game seven and it was gutsy and it was good enough to help string that game along. And the Nationals won another game on the road, four in that series, and go send the Astros home. No matter what happens in this game seven, the Astros run has been monumental, a dynasty for sure, and it's been brilliant, regardless of what the hell you think about 2017. What Altuve has put together in his career, I mean, forget it. It's absurd. Bregman as well. Add Alvarez on top. You got your Verlanders. We know about Dusty. There's plenty of storylines there. Regardless of what happens in Game 7, what the Rangers have done this year has reasserted themselves as a franchise to be reckoned with in this sport, as a sport to be reckoned with in that city, and they are going nowhere. And we are getting a Game 7 that we are destined to get with evenly matched teams who battled all year, who are rivals in the same division, who are rivals in the same state, and give me all that and inject it into my freaking veins. Because once again, this is another thing that goes back to where I was a couple of days ago. We are so lucky to have this game. We should be sitting there and saying, thank you. We're not worthy. We are so lucky to have this sport. I'm lucky to have you. Thank you for being a part of Unfiltered. As uh, always, uh, we are presented by our good friends at uh, Bet Online. We will see you next time. Get with us on the YouTube channel. Hit me up with comments there or on Twitter, X, if you uh, have to call it that, or wherever you'd like to. We'll obviously continue with you as the postseason goes along. Good luck to all four of the uh, fan bases who are still sitting there remaining on the baseball side, and it should be a beauty coming up tomorrow night, Game 7 on Monday night in Houston. Uh, from all of us, and that's me here at Unfiltered. We'll see you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.